Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hello, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Housing Matters Podcast. It's your favorite data nerds back with everything you need to know about the housing market and the economy. My name is Jordan Levine, Vice President and Chief Economist at the California Association of Realtors. And I'm here with my good friend, Oscar Way, our Deputy Chief Economist. Oscar, thank you for joining. Hey, Jordan, and good morning, everyone. It's good to be here. It's good to be able to talk about the housing market again. Yeah, you know, I mean, we're right in the midst of this market shift, and we wanted to talk about some of the July data that we put out a few weeks ago, what we're seeing in the August numbers, and just how the overall market uh, is trending, especially in this environment where rates have now started to go back up. We had a bit of a reprieve there for a while, and, and now we see rates back on on the uptrend and and kind of what that means and what the outlook is, because there's still a lot going on just in the macro economy that we want to update you with, whether it's the jobs numbers, which still look good, or inflation and the GDP that we have uh, coming out. And then there's also been some policy changes. So we figured we'd just kind of go through the the high level and talk about how it's all playing out um, in in the housing market. And I thought the best place for us to start was just, just looking at what housing has done in aggregate um through through july yes definitely and we can talk a little bit more about you know august number you know based on some of our weekly data as well but let's yeah. look at the uh, the monthly number first the monthly number uh uh, through July, through the first seven months, we are we are already seeing some uh, slowdown in our market. I mean, we knew f- from the beginning of the year that things are going to slow down a little bit because you know rates ramp up you know quite significantly from what three percent uh, to at some point five and five and a half, and right now it's close closing in on six, right? And we will talk more about that. Yeah. Uh, so. But you know, that definitely has a significant impact on sales, has some impact on price. Now, just sales first. Um, when was when 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 was the last time we actually saw sales actually dip below three hundred thousand? Yeah, three hundred thousand is a low <laughs> number, right? We have struggled to get above four hundred thousand really for the better part of the last decade. Now, the last couple of years, we were really hot. But if you take out that initial pandemic shutdown at the beginning of twenty twenty. <laughs> You know, you got to go back to the financial crisis in 2008 to find a sub 300,000 sales number. And I think part of that is the rates, to be sure. I think, you know, part of it also is just um, the macro environment, because there's a lot of economic uncertainty. You have a lot of folks who are getting eaten alive by rising cost of living, right? Inflation is still running very hot. and, And I think that both the kind of reduced affordability that has been ushered in by this, you know, real much higher rates than where we started the year combined with just that psychological effect right. has has gotten buyers to take a bit of a step back. Now, 31%, you know, down on a year to year basis is big, right? Because that, you know, that's just a big percentage of 31%. But we partly expected double digit declines, but that's why the 300,000 is so significant, right? Because we were at 12 year highs last year. We mm-hmm. knew we weren't going to be able to sustain that just with inventory being what it was, et cetera, um, and affordability. But but dropping below that benchmark of 300,000 is significant because that's not just, you know, coming down off of 12, 15 year highs. That's that's, you know, going down to the lowest levels we've seen in 12 to 15 years. So it really is, um, you know, a low number. 
Yeah, I mean, you you said it right. You know, psychological effect is one factor, and who who would have thought? You know, uh, just about a year and a half ago, we hit the five hundred mark, and now, of course, it's the three hundred mark. And that psychological effect probably plays a, a role as people started thinking, well, actually, are are are, are prices going to go down? Uh, should we hold off a little bit? But yeah. the other part of it is that affordability issue that uh, it with interest rate rising by you know, 250 basis point or so, that translates into a few hundred dollars every month, uh, right. 400, let's say 400 for the median price um, every month. And that amounts to what, $5,000 or six, $7,000 a year. That's not a number that people can just make up. Um, they have to cut back here and there. And one thing, you know, that they can do, of course, is to hold off. And that's what some of the uh, buyers did. 31.1% year over year, as you said, and it's actually the 13th straight month. So we're not, it's, it didn't drop off just, you know, from 500 overnight. to 300 yeah. overnight. I mean, it took about 13 months to 13, 14 months to actually get to the point where we're at now, but we're at a point where um, all price segments, not just the low price segments, we used to say the more affordable price segments um, got hit really hard. But now in the last two or three months, we started seeing the high-end homes actually starting started to show a little bit of a weakness as well, uh, whether it be in uh, the Bay Area or you know some of the other areas in Southern California, we're seeing some softness in the uh, high-end, um, the million-dollar homes as well. And it seems like we are going to see, you know, more uh, softness in the upcoming months as pending sales actually start showing uh, some decline as well in the uh, 30 to 40 percent level. Yeah, exactly. And I think the top end of the market slowing is significant, right? Because it's now, you know, in negative territory across every single price segment when this time last year, two million and up was growing by like 300 percent on a year to year basis. And that was after a pretty decent year. Right. Uh, for high-end home sales in 2020. And so, you know, the bottom end has been struggling for a while. That's where we're most inventory constrained and it continues to, you know, face challenges like even below 600,000, I think is, has been going down by double digits for, for a long time, but we no longer have that top end holding us up. And I mm -hmm. think those are rate sensitive. Um, I think those are, are, you know, segments where also the volatility in financial markets and stuff plays a role, right? Because we haven't Absolutely. had a lot of growth uh, in in financial markets, it hasn't had a big sell off recently, but it's been pretty volatile and not a lot of growth to speak of over the last few months there. And I think that that also um, plays a role at the at the high end and why we're seeing it kind of persist, like you said, in those negatives uh, on on the pending sales numbers. And so we do have uh, some of of those those challenges. I think you know there's still. Uh, you know, reasons to believe that we won't continue to plummet, right? That we're probably getting close to something that's more uh, in line with the shift in that kind of high 200,000 range and that it won't drop to 150,000 sales. But we, we also probably shouldn't expect it to come uh, roaring back because that demand, whether you look at the pendings or you look at something like a mortgage applications, it has ebbed quite a bit. And I do think that's probably why we're seeing some of the kind of rapid slowing in prices that we've seen too, right? Because even though prices were up in July, they're growing at a much slower clip now. Yeah. I mean, of course, part of it is because of seasonality, you know, typically True. when we move into August, uh, yep. September, October, and so on and so forth, we typically see some slowdown in price and a slower growth in price. 
But, you know, when you see price growth on a year over year basis dropping from, let's say, 15 percent to two or three percent. Yeah. Part of it is because of seasonality. But the other part of it, as you mentioned earlier, is because of, you know, some drop off in the high end homes also. So mix of sales definitely makes a difference because, you know, we, we used to, I think a couple months ago, three, four months ago, uh, we had the million dollar share hitting about 34, 35% off total sales. That's really high because if you look at how it compares to the pre-pandemic level, pre-pandemic million dollar home make, uh, made up about 20% ish or so. So for it to actually climb to 35%, we have had, you know, some price growth over the years, but then it starts slowing down uh, in the last three or four months to a more moderate level and it could possibly you know slow down a bit more uh in the upcoming uh months and that does have a uh, uh an effect on the state median price because sure. state median price is the price right in the middle if you have fewer sales on the upper end obviously that's going to lead to some drop up in price and price uh, if you if, if you remember two months ago three months ago we hit nine hundred thousand. And now we're down to about 833 or so, which is still a high number uh, and it's still growing year over year, but we're seeing some slowdown on a month to month basis. No, it's a great point. And I'm so glad you brought up this uh, issue of the mix of sales, right? Because part of the growth up to 900,000 was because we had that surge at the very high end. And so it's not necessarily that the same exact home is now, you know, growing much more slowly or it probably is, but it's not necessarily going down. It's, you know, that that kind of pullback at the top end is having a disproportionate impact. In fact, you could see that if you look at the per square foot price numbers, because I think even as uh, the overall headline median price was only up 2.8% last month, I think the the per square foot price was up about double that or not quite double. I think it was closer to 5%. So that Mm -hmm. hopefully controls a little bit for the the mix of sales issue, right? Because we're looking at it more on a kind of pound for pound um, basis. And, And so I do think, you know, caution folks as you interpret the median price number going forward and we report slower and slower growth and potentially even declines in median price that at least part of that is because, um, you know, because we're not selling as many homes above 2 million, which was, um, you know, down about 30% over the course of the last couple of of months. But I do think there is some softness to the price and just lack of competitiveness, right? Because when you look at the um, supply situation, it's eased. Now, you know, one of the interesting caveats on the supply issue is that it's not necessarily from a flood of new listings. In fact, we track both active listings, right, which is like how much is on the MLS every day when we go in and query um, the MLS, but then we're also saying how many homes were put onto the MLS, right? And and that is Mm -hmm. a a kind of different number and that number is not really going up right so active listings are up about 55 percent and and it's like the biggest growth we've seen in you know probably eight nine years but yet it's it's mostly because people aren't buying as many homes right and so more of the homes are just staying on the market we see time on market going up and so there is kind of this you know this rebalancing where demand has stepped back in the face of these affordability challenges and sales have gone down as a result, and therefore the inventory has actually uh, gone up. And so, you know, it is less competitive. It is a function of less demand out there. But 
I don't think it signals the kind of beginning of the end, as it were, um, the way that many people think this is 2008 all over again. Because what we don't see is a bunch of sellers just flooding the market with properties, trying to um, get out from under things before prices go down or anything like that. It's more so that buyers have taken the step back, but it has led the market to be a little bit less competitive. Yeah, I mean, you know, the competitiveness definitely has come down. Uh, you mentioned about days in market. You mentioned about, you know, um, the uh, fewer list, new listings. Um, fewer new listings for sure. Uh, we, we do have an improvement on a year-over-year basis for new listing, but we're not looking at 30 40% increase. So uh, it's definitely not, you know, flooding the market. And part of the reason why, you know, some of the uh, – the homeowners uh, are not flooding the market. You know, there are a couple of reasons. One is, of course, some of those homeowners, they are also um, sort of repeat buyers. If they were to mm. buy, they will have to trade up their uh, their current mortgage rates for a higher mortgage rate. Right. Some may actually uh, decide, okay, well, I won't do that because, you know, it doesn't feel good to trade up a 3% for five and a half. So there are not as many people putting up their house on a market because of that reason. But also because of, you know, uh, I mentioned about seasonality. That's another thing. Uh, and of course, part of the year. Yeah. right. A, little, slow, a slow part of the year. But also the fact that, um, remember, you know, part of the reason why we had, you know, uh, a flood of properties back in 10, 15 years ago is, was because people were not able to uh, to pay for their mortgages. Now, we still have, what, 4% below 4% or 3 3.8% unemployment rate. So people are right. not exactly losing jobs. And people have equity in their house. You know, if you look at, you know, percent of uh, share of mortgages with uh, negative equity, we're lower than it's 1% tiny. in California. Yeah, yeah and actually everybody's what? current. I think so. Right, right. I think so. I think so. And, you know, there, there have no reason to, you know, just dump their properties on the market. Yeah. And so the uh, inventory, the the total active inventory increasing by 60%, that's primarily because of, you know, some pullback in demand. And what happened with that pullback in, in demand is it's not only, you know, keep properties on the market for a little longer, but also, you know, you're seeing the uh, people who overbid, you know, the listing price. It's no longer um, 15 or 20 different offers uh, every month now, uh, every single property now, but maybe about five offers, uh, still competitive, but not as competitive as before. And we're seeing that sales price to list price ratio actually coming down to somewhere around 100 percent. Um, not 105, 110% anymore. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's just a sign of the market's rebalancing. We still have, you know, a third of, of homes selling above ask and all of that. But, you know, it's just that we've been so imbalanced for such a mm -hmm. long time that, you know, it couldn't go on like that forever. And it shows the, you know, thankfully the market mechanism is still working, right? When you have excess demand and, and limited supply for a long time, it pushes prices up. And, and homes become less affordable, particularly when these macro factors are, are kind of folded into the mix with higher rates and all of that stuff. And so you get demand that pulls back and supply that goes up and less competitiveness and less price growth. So we're just taking some of the pressure off the way that markets um, are, are supposed, to, supposed to work. And I think it was a great point to bring up the fact that we do have yeah. better fundamentals, FICO scores, down payments, home equity, 
fixed rate mortgages, not five one option arms, all of that stuff that's preventing the kind of foreclosure flood um, that we saw last time. How's this playing out though in the rest of the United States, right? Because California is kind of a bellwether. They always say when California sneezes, the rest of the United States <laughs> catches a cold. And I think that's kind of where we're at, right? Because we're, uh, we're seeing these numbers go down at a sharper clip. And I think we started even a little bit earlier, but you are starting to see that in the rest of the US as well. Yeah, we are seeing that, you know, especially in the existing home market, existing home sales market, um, you know, re, uh, reports, uh, numbers re released by NAR shows that existing home sales also uh, has been falling. In fact, you know, it fell for the sixth consecutive month uh, with sales down about 6% from June and also double digit from a year ago. It doesn't seem, uh, it doesn't seem like, you know, the, at the national level, they're dropping as fast, but again, you know, they probably did not uh, rise as, uh, you know, as, as, as fast as what uh, California did. Right. So, you know, we're seeing some moderations uh, as well as uh, in the sales, as well as price at the at the uh, national level. Price also continue to increase uh, by about 11% from a year ago, but it has uh, come back from the peak. You know, the right. June was the peak price uh, that was set uh, at the national level. Uh, it has come down by about 10,000 now. Yeah, yeah. And so we're still looking at a 400 plus thousand uh, median price in the U.S. overall, but you know, and that's still uh, less than half of what it is mm -hmm. in in California. But that margin has shrunk as we've started to see price growth slow a little bit more. So, and I do think that gap between prices here and prices in the rest of the U.S. explains a lot of the out migration and things like that. And so, you know, unfortunately, this kind of um, again, California being at the leading edge of many of these economic trends we've been underbuilding for a long time, but actually, the U.S has its own supply challenges going for it. Um, and, and you know, hopefully that will, um, you know, not become a trend, but I do think maybe help stem stem the tide. What about new home sales though, right? Because it does seem like builders are getting hit harder than the existing home sales uh, market. Yeah, even though, you know, in new home sales, the price is right around the national uh, existing home sales level at, you know, around 400. Of course, it's actually a little bit higher at 439 thousand um in in july for new home sales but still uh it's it's getting hit you know uh, the same way as uh, we have been and the national uh, level has been uh, for existing home sales a drop about 12 13 percent uh in july it actually dropped down to the six and a half month low uh six and a half year low uh last time it's actually uh got to that level of uh, new home sales was i think 2016 mm. now uh, part of it could be because of there's just not enough, you know, listings out there because builders have to be concerned about whether they want to continue to build, knowing that the market is actually slowing down. So there might be some concern about, you know, uh, uh, building uh, in the next couple of years. So they might have slowed down their uh, building. Uh, and at the same time, of course, uh, we are they're, they're going through the exact same thing as what we're going through, high interest rates and uh, people not having enough, uh, not having enough down payment to pay yeah. for the new homes. And as such, I believe, yes, you know, uh, new home sales probably will continue to uh, increase in price. Right now, it's increasing at around 8% on a year-over-year -year level, but similar to, you know, our uh, uh, state-level sales, as well as the uh, U.S. home sales, it probably will start slowing down uh, at the uh, national level for new home sales as far as price is concerned. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, you know, putting it all together, we see sales are down, pendings are down, inventory is up, the market's less competitive, and the price growth is slowing. So, 
you, you know, is does that mean we're in a housing recession? Is California already <laughs> in a housing recession? And what does that mean? Because, you know, people are throwing that around that even though the economy is not in recession, housing is already in a recession. So, what, I mean, what's your take on that? Well, you know, when you hear the word recession, you're like, OK, well, this is not good. This is uh, this is terrible. Now, you know, of course, uh, at the economy level, when you hear recessions, typically that means, you know, there is. Uh, there, there are less uh, economic. There's less economic activity. You know, some slowdown in, um, you know, say the labor market or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but you know, in the housing market, I think you know when we when we refer to housing recessions, uh, typically we're referring to at least for now we're referring to you know slowdown in sales activity primarily. Right now, we are seeing some moderate at the state level. We're seeing some moderate growth, uh, but it's not you know the if if you try to use the same. Uh, term of re- housing recessions in 2008, and you will try to use that same definition as what we are seeing in 2022, that's definitely not the same. We're definitely, right. we are seeing some slowdown in sales, that's for sure. You know, we're dropping by, you know, double digit, uh, continue to drop probably in the next few months or so by double digits for sales. But price wise, we're still seeing over year growth, uh, maybe two or three or four percent. Uh, and eventually we'll slow down, you know, from what well, we are slowing down from the peak that we saw a couple months ago, but we're still at around 833,000. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, prices are still high and outside of, you know, and what's really interesting is even if you take our forecast and you look at, the, you know, a moderate price reduction next year, outside of last year, um, prices are going to be as high as they've, they've, ever been outside of this one really imbalanced time. And so for me, I think, you know, it's it's a market that is rebalancing after being mm-hmm. so incredibly frenzied and imbalanced for a long time. I think, you know, if sales is the measure um, that, you know, a housing recession is not really a meaningful um, turn, right? Because, you know, if there's always good times to buy and sell. It depends on where you are in your life for buyers who've been sitting on the sidelines and couldn't find inventory and we're getting outbid or had an FHA loan or we're trying to use down payment assistance and sellers wouldn't consider them before because they had so many all cash offers and investors and people who are willing to pay over list. I think it's a, a good thing. And, and so for me, it's more about the dynamics of the market mm-hmm. than um, being able to label it as a, a recession or not. Sales are down. There's no doubt about it, but that creates a lot of opportunities for certain folks. There's, um, you know, rates that are poised to go higher. And so all of that stuff to me, it's, it's all about um, where we're at in the market and then the cycle and what it means for you and terms like housing recession and things like that aren't, aren't really important. It's more about describing what's happening out there so that people have the information they need to make the best uh, right. decision. And I don't think calling something a recession or a housing recession is helpful uh, in doing that. It's are things going up? Are they going down? What are they going to do in the future? And I think, you know, you know, with or without that term, we have already defined, we have been, you know, I think keeping our audience informed about, you know, the sales market activities going down. So it, it doesn't change with that term. It doesn't really change anything. Sales continue to, uh, to slow down, as we mentioned before. Now, of course, one thing that of course we are always concerned about and we have been paying a lot of attention at uh, and it could have uh, uh, more impact on the market as mortgage rates you know we're yeah. talking about you know we we i think a month or two months ago when we talk about mortgage rates we were a little optimistic that okay well it seems like you know we have already reached the peak uh started coming down in uh, mid-july or so and continue to slow down in early august but it seems like it started coming back up 
Um, so what do you think uh, uh, happened to mortgage rates and do you think it will continue to climb? Yes, I think it will climb. I think the bond market and people were um, overly optimistic about inflation. <laughs> they, you know, we came down from peak inflation. I think the latest reading on core inflation was like below 6% for the first time uh, in a while, but it was still like 5.6% mm-hmm. or it was still very elevated by historical norms. And And I think people really thought that would give the Fed some breathing room to take their foot off the gas. And, and you know, yeah, Jay Powell come out just a week or two ago in an interview, I think on CNBC or somewhere where he said that they're not going <laughs> to relent in their fight against inflation. And I think that the um, folks at the high, the long end of the yield curve, the people buying longer term treasuries are starting to come to grips with uh, reality that those longer term rates will eventually have to go up. We've seen the 10 year go up. The yield curve has started to um, be less inverted. It's still inverted, but it's not mm-hmm. quite as uh, far below the two year as it used to be. And I think, you know, the macro data is still holding up relatively well, even though we have concerns about the future and consumer spending and consumer confidence is kind of in the tank. And we probably can't sustain the, you know, uh, economic growth that we've had up to this point in time. You know, we're still adding jobs and 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 all of that stuff. So so there's still a labor shortage. There's still inflation that, although down from peak, is still running hot. You've got other central banks across the world that are raising rates, including uh, in Europe, which they just you know did a 75 basis point rate hike as well. And so I think when you add it all up, right, it it suggests that rates will continue to go up. They're going to have you know every almost every single Fed. Uh, voting member thinks they need a a 3.25 to 3.75% Fed funds rate, like all the way out through the end of 2024, right? That was Mm -hmm. according to the most recent dot plot. And so if you take a 3% Fed funds rate and you add on, you know, a non-inverted yield curve and a regular mortgage spread, it's it's hard not to envision a scenario where we don't have, you know, mid 6% mortgage rates, uh, you know, at near the end of the year and potentially even going higher mm-hmm. uh, as the kind of bond market, <laughs> again, comes to grips with the fact that those longer term rates will go up. Yeah, I mean, you know, the latest weekly number from Freddie Mac already showed that it's approaching 6% uh, at 5.9. And it's very possible uh, that I think a, a lot of people now realize, okay, well, it is possible that in September, we were going to see a 75 basis point increase. And you're right, you know, by the end of the year, six and a half percent is very likely um, and possibly. An, or very uh, possible at the minimal, right? Right, right. And and I mean, it could go a little higher uh, late, uh, next year, early next year as well. I mean, and I have to say, I think in our last uh, recording, uh, we did caution you know, our listeners <laughs> that, you know, one data point in, in inflation is not going to necessarily make a trend. So people have to be cautious about the, the fact that, you know, inflation will probably continue to stay elevated. Uh, it may start slowing down a little bit, but that doesn't necessarily mean that mortgage rates is going to tumble down and, you know, just stay at, um, you know, 5%. Probably will inch up a little further uh, later this year and next year. Right, exactly. So, um, yeah, and and you know, I think that that is is something that 
is creating a lot of the dynamics that we see in the marketplace right now. But I also think it's important to step back and realize like even at 6%, mortgage rates are still fairly low uh, by historical standards. It mm -hmm. creates a lot of adjustment, right? And people have to um, bake all that in and get used to the higher rates, but the level of rates themselves are not particularly problematic. Even if you go back in you know, 2004 by six, we had higher rates than what we'll have at the end of this year. And we are still doing 500,000. Uh, sales. What about consumers, though? Because consumers, to me, is probably the biggest macro risk out there. We had uh, consumer confidence that a few months ago was down at like a 41-year low, but it seems like maybe they're thawing out uh, a little bit as, as the inflation pressures have eased. It's partly probably because we don't have $8 diesel anymore. It's only like <laughs> six bucks now, but uh, what are consumers doing? I think that's a very big uh, reason that, you know, they're seeing more money in their pocket, especially because of, you know, the gas pump. Um, we have been, uh, I, 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 I'm, I, you don't quote me on it, but I think we have been seeing gas prices dropping on a daily basis for maybe about 60 days or so. Yeah. Um, there might be some bumps here and there, but it's definitely off, you know, the high that we, we, we saw, you know, two months ago, three months ago. And uh, that really boosts up, you know, the consumer confidence um, because it, it, does it does have an effect on the headline uh, inflation rate uh, for sure. Uh, and it seems like it's affecting other part of, you know, the supply constraints at least a little bit. Um, right. And so the cons consumer confidence actually hit a four month high. Um, and then when you look at, you know, how it compares to uh, when, when you look at the present situation index as well as the expectation index, it uh, both seem to improve. Now, again, um, they're not as obvious, pessimistic, at least. They're not as pessimistic, as you said. Now, of course, the consumer confidence uh, relies on a few things. You know, inflation, obviously, is one thing. Uh, but I noticed that from time to time that the consumer confidence also rely on um, the uh, is in correlation with the uh, stock market. Now, True. with the stock market fluctuating a little bit in the last you know, couple of weeks or so, uh, it's possible that the next consumer confidence, it may not show as high a number as yeah. before. So don't think that the, 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 that we have bottomed out already and this is going to start rising. Right. Yeah. And I think there's still room to go, right? Because the consumers have been able to keep up with inflation up to this point by burning through savings, by running up credit cards. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got a new car loan that they got to start <laughs> paying on and all of that stuff. And so, you know, I think that they've just only been able to keep up and cope. And I think that their, um, you know, confidence, their sentiments kind of reflect that. And it's not quite um, as terrible, but you know, again, we we probably have more room to go on the consumer spending front, which is why we have a modest recession baked into our forecast last right. year. That doesn't seem to be present though in the jobs numbers yet, right? Because unemployment claims are like at their lowest levels we've seen in a few months, higher rates, economic uncertainty, consumer confidence doesn't seem to have rocked the boat when it comes to um, the need for workers out there. It seems to be the labor market and the job market continue to be the bright spot. Um, I mean, we we thought, okay, well, things are slowing down, and it, it, it did slow down a little bit. But the latest jobless claim number actually shows that it has dropped down to the uh, the lowest in the last three and a half months or so. So yeah. people are not losing jobs. Uh, people are, you know, there are still a lot of uh, people that uh, there are still a lot of job openings out there uh, that people are hiring. Uh, the right. job openings actually rose past what 11.2 million, which is, you know, uh, outnumbered the available worker pool by just a little bit shy of uh, two to one. So yeah. that's still a lot of jobs out there. And wage growth, though, is not rising as fast 
which is which is a good sign. And that's why you know, the latest job reports, they call it the Goldilocks uh, report, because yeah. it is showing some growth, still solid increase in job growth. But at the same time, we're not seeing a significant surge in wage growth. Now, for consumers or workers, you know, the wage growth not as not rising as fast as inflation is, um, you know, it's problematic, as you said, but at the same time, it may be a good sign for uh, the Fed, because that might remind, will tell them that, okay, well, maybe we're seeing some softness uh, yeah. in the future. Right. And I think, you know, the, the, at one point you said a two to one ratio. I think there's like the number of job openings is about 5 million or so higher than the number of people unemployed and looking uh, for work. But at one time, I think it was six and a half, seven million. So there mm. is a kind of rebalancing there. We still have a labor shortage, but it's not quite as severe as it was. I think some folks are coming back into the labor force finally as those savings rates uh, dwindle and things like that. And you also have companies that aren't as uh, confident and optimistic uh, about hiring and and all of that stuff. So I think, you know, for now, you know, the, like you said, the labor market remains kind of the, the bright spot, but I do think we're seeing the early signs that the labor market could be um, cooling off too. And, and mm -hmm. you know, um, hopefully it'll be that soft landing that just lets us ease down on the inflation uh, pressure a little bit, but without causing a, a really deep recession. But I do think that that will be the really telling one that we'll have to keep an eye on moving forward is because, you know, as long as people are working and their incomes are rising and the people that want work can find it, you know, we, we're not at, at jeopardy of a huge uh, sustained prolonged downturn. What about looking forward? Because the other big thing the administration did was they forgave uh, a bunch of student loan debt of about 10,000 bucks per person. Uh, or, or, you know, I think it may be even as higher depending on the individual borrowers. But one of the big challenges that we've seen, not just, you know, forget the business cycle, we're going to have ups and downs and all of that stuff, but mm -hmm. just the kind of evergreen challenge is affordability. And big part of that is saving up for down payments, which we've seen, you know, in addition to just really expensive rents, the other, you know, challenging thing for younger folks trying to save for down payments is that they've got these uh, incredible student loans outstanding. Yeah. Um, what what impact do you expect that to have? Well, now look, you know, the student loan forgiveness program, I think a lot of people focus on the fact that uh, borrowers could actually save uh, 10,000 or 20,000 uh, in the long run. But, you know, the, 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 the focus should be, yes, it is a program that is going to forgive people on their loans. But remember, it's not the same as a fiscal stimulus. It's right. not like you're given 10000 overnight and or save 20000 overnight. This is going to span over maybe 10 years, 20 years, whatever it is. So, yeah, people are saving money. Um, and many of those people who are saving money, those are people who might be actually establishing their households in the upcoming years or so. So right. in the long run, I think it's going to help, you know, people to save more uh, for their down payment, uh, save more, you know, for uh, down the road and when they buy a home. But we're looking at not necessarily what's going to happen in the next six months or so. We're looking at maybe in the next few years. Um, right when people start saving a little bit more money, um, they will actually be able to put a, a higher down payment or a little bit more uh, down payment in the future. But right. don't think it's a, this is going to be a search in it's, one year or so. 
yeah, it's not the silver bullet. Like you said, we're not giving everybody 10 grand to go put down on a home, unfortunately. And so there's still going to be those obstacles. This is the cash flow issue, right? Is that it frees mm -hmm. up a little bit of that monthly cash flow that they were spending towards that student loan payment that allows them to sock a little bit away for that down payment or save up for that new couch or whatever or new appliances uh, when they move in. And so it will have an effect on the margins. Um, but it's not going to create a groundswell. But I do think, you know, targeting, um, you know, younger folks is good, mm -hmm. right? Because we want people started on their home ownership journey sooner um, than later. And we know that those are the folks that are kind of grappling with the twin challenges of both saving up for down payments and just really high uh, rents and all of that stuff, too. And the sooner you get started accumulating equity, the better it is for you, the better it is for, you know, your family, the better it is for the economy and society. And so I think that, um, you know, ha given that this is a, a big, you know, obstacle for folks to get uh, down payments saved up, um, it could have a positive impact. It's just we have to limit our expectations about um, the magnitude of mm -hmm. how much, you know, because it's just one of myriad challenges that young folks are are facing getting into the market. Right. And uh, one more thing um, to add to that is, um, I know people have talked about this before, student loan forgiveness, uh, people will be saving money. But it doesn't necessarily mean that people will be spending all the money and uh, inflation is going to flare up again. It's right. just mean, you know, a few hundred bucks that people are saving, they'll be saving part of it. They'll be spending a little bit of it, you know, uh, uh, to help them to uh, minimize the gap between wage growth and uh, the inflation. So, yep. you know, I don't think the student loan forgiveness program is going to have a, a big impact on inflation also. Yeah, and hopefully they use it to pay down some of that credit card debt. That's non-inflationary and a good way to to use up some of that spare spare cash. So, but I think we talked about what's going on in housing, right? That we are in mm -hmm. the midst of that shift, but there's reasons to still be hopeful and optimistic. There's a lot of opportunities for buyers who still want a home and haven't been able to get one up till now. We talked about the macro data, including what the Fed is doing, what's going on with jobs and how those numbers are still holding up well, and kind of this latest uh, policy wrinkle with student loan forgiveness. So I think we have a pretty comprehensive update but the good news is also that we have uh, Reimagine coming up right. in Long Beach in about a month from now. So Oscar and I are tire uh, tirelessly working on <laughs> updating our forecast and folding in the latest and greatest information so that we can give you a proper update uh, and see everybody in person and get to shake everybody's hand and say hi. So we'll leave it there for now. If I have your, your blessing to do that, Oscar. Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned about the REI. And I want to uh, reiterate, I think we might have mentioned before that this year, we have a uh, booth for the research and economics at the Trade Center. So definitely come by and uh, uh, chit chat with us a little bit. Yeah, and we look forward to seeing everybody there. And we look forward to having new updated information for you very soon on the next Housing Matters podcast. This was episode 99. So the next time we see you, it'll be in the triple digits. Yeah. So thank you all for your support. And hopefully this helps. Uh, as soon as we know more, we'll make sure that you know it too. And until then, have a good one. Have a good one.